We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me right now is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. Of course, we're going to get to the 49ers, but first we have to tell you about our friends at Lamb Chops, that Minnesota-based fashion brand founded in 2012. They emphasize attention to detail, premium quality, and that's reflected in the Lamb Chops brand cleaver logo and custom cut and pitch custom cut and fit for each piece. I got ahead of myself there, Chris, because I am just so goddamn excited to talk about my favorite brand. They're a, they're a conversation starter. You ever wear your lamb chops True. like animal print shorts? They're an absolute conversation starter. Everybody loves them. Like I think, and mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I've rocked, whether it's the wolves or the lions or my personal favorites, the orcas, we, they, they should make some bear shorts, by the way. I totally um, agree. But they're just conversation starters, and no one's like, oh, man, I hate your shorts. Everyone's like, man, those are the coolest shorts I've, I've ever seen. Right. And, uh, and they're mesh. They're super comfortable. They're just the right length, um, and they just allow you to show a little bit of personality, and I, I, I love them. I love them all, and, uh, and they're great. A little bit of personality and a little bit of thigh. <laughs> That's why I love them. <laughs> promo code candlestick 20 get 40 per, uh 20% off get 20% off with promo code candlestick 20 at sglambchops.com follow them on Instagram at sglambchops and it was really funny you came to my buddy Wade's engagement party shout out to Wade and Emily super happy for them you came to their engagement party at the A's game and you pulled up in your lamb chop shorts and a couple of my friends who listen to the pod are like lamb chops it's like yeah man them. Yeah. We, we do it for real for real the very same anyways sglambchops.com follow me on instagram at sglambchops and while you're at sglambchops.com getting your awesome shorts or shirts hoodies whatever you're going to grab while you're there use promo code candlestick 20 for 20 percent off today all right we need to continue our 49ers position previews and we're going to dive into the defensive line starting right now Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa's got him in a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. 
so hot. It's oppressively hot. It's the hot where I went we went to bed last night very late in the evening slash early in the morning. It's like 1230 and I'm like, surely we can open our windows now. No, no, no. It's like 84 degrees at midnight. Come on. So Saturday was, I think, the hottest day of the year. Actually, no. Was it Sunday? So Saturday. I, I, no, it was Sunday. Uh we go to work out and then we hit Trader Joe's after the workout and we buy a bunch of groceries, not a bunch, but like, you know, we go grocery shopping, come back. We left the groceries in our car and it was like 110 degrees outside. Um, Why would you I, do that? Park my car in the garage. We just forgot. We were like kind of in like a haze. We had stuff going on later in the day. We were trying to get going. Phone calls to make all that type of stuff just completely left. There was like just produce some chicken car did not smell great when we realized we left the groceries oh, in the ride no. in the hot during the hottest day of the year um needless to say a lot of stuff got thrown out and replaced um but you know we try really hard to beat the heat the heat beat us on sunday um but we're gonna fight back it's it's yeah. not a uh you know it, 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 the war's still going the heat might have won that <laughs> battle on sunday but the war's still going and we're feeling great about it. We got the AC kicking. We got ceiling fans. We're uh, we're rolling over here against the heat. We've I rebounded. I went to impromptu trip via uh, a friend of a friend of my wife's who who works at, at Disney. Impromptu trip to Disneyland while we're in SoCal for the weekend. We're not planning on going, but she hit us up. She's like, "Dudes, let let me take you." So we go. It is a what's that called? An excessive heat warning in anaheim and i'm like oh man this is gonna be brutal so i went and got dry fit shirt i bought a new pair of shorts um my lamb chops johns were dirty um but bought a new pair of shorts like some workout shorts i'm like all right it's gonna be a day at disney like let's load up waters let's go high of 89 degrees are it they so are they like, soft in los angeles i dude la might be low-key soft <laughs> When it comes to weather, that's a joke. I'm sure we have listeners in Southern California. Shout yeah, out to I, you guys. I, I, yeah, obvious joke. I, I say that as a person who is soft. So it was no, it's just really funny. Like we walked out, like okay, it's about eight thirty. We're leaving the hotel. It's gonna be here. We go. Open the door, and it's like, oh, this is actually really nice. It's like seventy four degrees. Yeah, high it, of eighty nine. It was warm, but not like nothing outrageous. I, I wouldn't think... call it excessive. I think excessive heat warning it has, carries a little bit of different weight in the Sacramento right. <laughs> Central Valley portion of the right. state versus yeah. uh, Orange County. Yeah, so I'm super not crowded through most of the mid middle of the day, wow, like late nice. afternoon, early evening. People kind of started to, to trickle in more. But yeah, man, so you took an L to the heat, but I firmly beat the heat this weekend in Anaheim. That's awesome. Really we're going to I think we're going to try to hit Disneyland in a couple weeks, so. I, do, I freaking love this for you. We need to talk about this off air. Let's sure. get to the 49ers. I can, oh my God. I'm so excited. The, the natural, the natural uh, transition to the Niners defensive line. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm forcing it because I will talk about Disneyland with you for 45 minutes. You've so, been on Disney podcasts. You I'm are a weird person. Disney adult, bro. What do you want from me, man? <laughs> you are that person. I am. I am. Anyways, the 49ers. Here we go. I feel about the four. We're talking about the defensive line. We've been doing our 49ers offseason position previews or offseason roster preview. 
we've done the entire offense and now we're jumping over to the defensive side. If you want to go listen to those other podcasts, please do uh, check those out on the candlestick chronicles feed. But I have as I don't want to say, mm, I feel like we just, we, we just talked about the offensive line and the concerns along the offensive line and how it's more of a question mark than a problem. And we, we went back and forth on that. I feel the same way about the defensive ends behind Nick Bosa. Because yeah. it's it's Nick Bosa, and then who knows? So it's they, supposed to be Drake Jackson. Right. So they lost Samson Ebukam and Charles Amenahu in free agency, mm-hmm. who were clearly both above Drake Jackson on the depth chart last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring back Kerry Hyder, uh, who was sort of an afterthought last year. I don't really have any Kerry Hyder memories from last season. Do you? I think he had one sack. Okay. Um, they brought in Cleveland Furl. Maybe that's, you know, the the next Deion Jordan uh, type of player who comes. Top third edge harder. <laughs> you know, they, they've had a history of bringing in formerly highly drafted defensive linemen. They work with Chris Kasurik and it goes well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a lot is dependent on the development of Drake, Drake Jackson getting improvement from Furl and does Robert Beal offer them anything, right? Is is he somebody who can come in, first of all, like be active on game day, like participate right. on special teams, um, be active on game day and contribute to the to the active roster. You know, they signed Austin Bryant, a, a free agent from Detroit. He's had a ton of injuries throughout his career. A couple of years ago, I know he had four and a half sacks, I think in what, 12 games, but he's never played a full season. And has mm-hmm. a laundry list of injuries ranging from thigh to, uh, I think hip and pack shoulder, shoulder. Yeah, like he's he's thirty three games in four years is really bad. Yeah, that's not great. So, um, yeah, the, I think there are absolutely depth questions because, you know, Amenahu, Amenahu, and Ebukam are would be two three on the depth chart at defensive end on this team right now. Mm-hmm. But basically, because they're gone, Drake Jackson jumps from four to two. Yeah. More Drake Jackson, who was a healthy scratch in five of the last six games. And it could be a situation where Furl is the guy that they play, you know, like who starts and is in like base packages or running situations. Mm-hmm. And then Drake Jackson comes in sort of as a pass rushing specialist only. And like, so, so that's, you know, that that's something like is the Niners defensive line going to be a lead if Cleveland Furl has to play a lot? That's right. So I have the numbers here. Samson, Abukam and Charles Amena, who last season combined for 112 pressures and 13 sacks. The group of Drake Jackson, Cleveland Furl, Austin Bryant, Robert Beal, and Kerry Hyder had a combined 63 pressures and eight sacks last year. And, it, you know, granted, Beal wasn't even in the NFL, but yeah. uh, that's suboptimal. From a from a production standpoint, but I think if the 49ers had their druthers, like if they just got to have this play out exactly as they want, I think Drake Jackson becomes that. I, I think ideally he'd be more of a D four than a Samson Abicom for them, for sure. But he starts opposite Nick Bosa, and I think he's going to get every opportunity to do that. He's put on a lot of muscle or a lot of weight, and hopefully he can still be fast and strong and all the things that, that made him a, a highly touted prospect. 
And then I think they would, I think they'd prefer to see a guy like Cleland Furl take on the Omenahu role where he's rushing from the outside. He's kicking inside on some downs. I think that's what Kerry Hyder is going to do a lot again, but it's, I don't see a player on here where I go, Oh yeah, that's just new. Like he will replace Samson. He will replace Charles Omenahu. This is going to go fine. The one thing I come back to is this is what Chris Kasurik does. We've seen him do it with, frankly, Omenahu and Ebukam, who became better players in, in bigger roles under the 49ers. We've seen him do it with Arden Key. We saw him do it with Kerry Hyder, had his best year as a pro in, in 2020 with the 49ers when Nick Bosa was out and, and Hyder led the team in sacks. So I do give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit because their track record at that spot is is pretty strong. But on paper, going into camp, I think maybe even more than the quarterback stuff, I'm fascinated to see what happens here at defensive end because I genuinely think that it's wide open to replace the Omenahu snaps and the Ebukam snaps. And there's going to be a legitimate position battle playing out there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's up to sort of Steve Wilkes and his and his new scheme mm-hmm. to to sort of figure it out, right? Like there's we we don't really know what the defense is going to look like. We've heard him talk and he said it's going to be similar. They're not going to dramatically reshape the defense from a schematic perspective. Um but I'm curious just if, you know, I would assume they're just going to kind of say, look, Chris Kasurik's running the D-line, so they're going to do a bunch of wide nine stuff, right? And then Wilkes is going to sort of build everything off that. So I would imagine the defensive line is still going to look relatively similar Mm -hmm. to to what we've seen. But yeah, like how does everybody fit? They're they're relying on development. Yes. Like in a big in in a big way, in a similar way to the conversation as you mentioned we had about the offensive line. Like they they need Drake Jackson to take significant steps in his development to be a bookend to to Nick Bosa. Um, they need Cleveland for to be better than he was with the Raiders. Obviously. Um, is this still a defensive end only conversation or can we loop in Javon Kinlaw to this? Let, uh, <laughs> let, yeah. How does, how does Javon Kinlaw fit? To you? So, I, I mean, he's basically the third interior guy. And I yes. think to me, that sounds like he might play a lot of Maybe nose tackle fourth. third or fourth. Right. So the one of the questions I wanted to ask you going into this, are we sure Javon Kinlaw is going to be on the 53-man roster when the regular season starts? Like, are we positive? No. Because, like... I, I'm not. Because if you're another team who really liked Javon Kinlaw before the 2020 draft, and you say, all right, he's got a year left on his contract, um, you know, we don't have to pay him yet, if you're another team, and again, you have to like to, what would you like throw the 49ers a fifth round pick? No. <laughs> okay. No, you, but you say no. But like, if the 49ers get a fifth round pick from somebody or a sixth round pick, would you take it? They would it? do that right now. You think they would do it? Do you think they do <laughs> yeah. it for a sixth round pick right now? Yeah. To get Javon in next Kinlaw year's draft? Order. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have, I have right now, I have them keeping. Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, Kevin Givens, 
I have Kerry Hyder listed as a defensive tackle. He played more tackle than end last year, but but call him whatever. You have Kalia Davis in the mix as well. It wouldn't shock me if Kevin Givens just outplays Javon Kinlaw. And T.Y. McGill was kind of good last year in Spurs. T.Y. McGill was 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 yeah, he was he was fine. I think he played nine games and and had a couple of splash plays. It wouldn't shock me at all if especially if Kinlaw misses a couple of practices and it looks like oh the season's gonna be another, you know, injury riddled season for him, or they're they're gonna have to hold him out all these practices and stuff. Cause that's kind of been the problem. He was fine his rookie year and then has just never gotten a chance to get better because he hasn't been healthy. So I think they're going to give him every opportunity because I do genuinely think they still believe in in what he is as a player. But, man, he's got to stay on the field first. And then when he is on the field, he has to pl- outplay a player like Kevin Givens, who's a pretty good player. Kerry Hyder, pretty good player. What is Kalia Davis going to bring? And is it more effective for them than whatever Javon Kinlaw brings? So yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all if Javon Kinlaw winds up just kind of being the odd man out for them. One thing that could happen, which would be interesting to so like say Kinlaw is in great shape, he's healthy, he's playing well, mm-hmm. and giving the 49ers an approximation of what they drafted him to do. Okay. There's a world where you have Eric Arm, you could push Eric Armstead back out to defensive end. I know it's not a, it's not great from a pass rushing perspective, but Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Javon Kinlaw, and Eric Armstead front four wouldn't be the worst thing either particularly against a run. Like you're probably not running rushing well against that group. Assuming Ken Lott is playing better than he did in say the NFC championship game. Sure. That was but, um, but again, so, that was, he hadn't, he barely played last year and he gets thrown in against the best offensive line in the league. Right. So yeah, like Kinlaw being good would give them a lot of depth or I, I guess more depth and versatility, because if you feel like you need to play him or he's good enough to play him, then you don't have to play Eric Armstead on the inside and you could throw Armstead into the defensive end equation. I know when he's played there, his sack numbers haven't been great, um, but he's still a very competent defensive end. Like he, you can put him out there mm-hmm. and he definitely won't be a liability. He's not going to get you 10 sacks from playing outside, mm-hmm. but you could run games like you can you could bring him. You know, you could you, you could have somebody pick off his guy. He could swing back through the middle do those mm-hmm. two man games that they like to do a lot. Like, so I'm curious if it, the other personnel and the way it's going, like if Javon Kinlaw is good or if Kevin Givens is good, if the 49ers resort to trying Eric Armstead in different ways, as opposed to, all right, you're just a three tech, which is kind of right. what it was last year. Mm-hmm. And maybe Javon Hargrave too, like that allows them to, to be more versatile with Armstead. So I want to put a pin in the Javon Hargrave thing real quick. I think that Eric Armstead was a three tech only on a 49ers defensive line that had defensive end play that was as, as adequate as it was last year or as good as it was last year. This year, it might just be a necessity. Yeah. Like forget rushing the passer. If they just can't set the edge on that side, that's a huge problem. And that's something that Eric Armstead solves immediately if you stick him out there. So I, I, I'm kind of wondering if that just happens out of, like I said, necessity of, okay, they don't have anybody who can stay on the field and run situations. Put Eric Armstead out there, and now it's Kinlaw or, or Kerry Hyder or 
Kevin Givens or whoever playing in that playing in that that second defensive tackle spot. Yeah. So let's take a quick break. And then I want to pull a pin out of the Javon Hargrave thing, because I think the 49ers defensive line conversation really kind of revolves around around him. So let's do that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's your friends Kyle and Chris here with SG Lamb Chops, our homies. And our favorite fashion brand check them out at sglambchops.com go to instagram and follow them at sglambchops what's that that's a minnesota-based fashion brand they were founded in 2012 and they emphasize attention to detail and premium quality and that's reflected in the lamb chops brand cleaver logo it's so sick it's such a sick logo it's just a really clean just a cleaver and it's a custom cut and fit for every single piece chris you and i both have a closet full of this stuff and I've yet to have something from them that I don't like. I think the emphasis is definitely on quality and comfort. And we talked about it before, but we live in an era where comfort is really at the forefront when it comes to clothing. And with all these athleisure brands, very few of them are fashionable. But Lamb Chops takes all that comfort and that quality that you need. And they happen to make very fashionable items. Also, you can get just very comfortable mesh shorts with pockets. We all love those, but they can look a little bit boring sometimes. You can get some leopard print. You can get some inverted leopard print. So the inverted leopard print looks kind of cool. It looks almost like a dark camo. Well, you can get That's regular it. leopard print if you want to stand out a little bit. Um, you and I have both rocked the various animal prints. They're not even animal prints, but they're just you can get shorts with orcas and wolves and lions, mm. favorite animals. Um, you can get basic sweatshorts. Um, everything's just super comfortable, super premium, and super stylish. And I think that's that's just a great combo for for any clothing brand. But Lamb Chops really stands out among the rest for that. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we love working with them. Lamb Chops is leading the herd with original and high-quality clothing. They offer one-of-a-kind clothing options 
from unique statement pieces to your everyday essentials. So join the group that's leading the herd, SG Lamb Chops. That's sglambchops.com. And on Instagram at sglambchops. Follow them right now. So we say all that about the defensive ends. And <laughs> I almost wonder if Javon Hargrave can render it moot from a pass rushing perspective. I think that's part of the bet they're making, right? I think I, I think so, too. They're like, all right, well, we're not going to bring back these defensive ends, so let's bolster the interior and, and give ourselves something close to what we had in 2019 with the force Buckner there, too. Yeah. And I'm I so here's the two things I'm I'm most interested in seeing. Number one, what does this do for Nick Bosa? Who didn't have a lot of help on the interior last year. You had Kinlaw who was hurt. Eric Armstead missed a bunch of time. And Bosa still went and got 18 and a half sacks on a line where he was really kind of the the main pass rushing threat. Then the other thing I'm interested to see is do we get a more productive version of Eric Armstead again, who will be playing against uh, or playing with an elite defensive tackle for the first time since 2019. And in that year, he led the team in sacks. Those are the, those are the two things that I think like Javon Hargrave is, is going to produce regardless. Like he's just a force in the middle, especially when getting after the quarterback. And that's going to be helpful. But there could be a domino effect where Eric Armstead is now going out and getting seven, eight sacks. You have Nick Bosa, who's going to put up 18 plus again. You have now, now you have Javon Hargrave doing what he does from a production standpoint. Now your need on that other side of Nick Bosa becomes so much less vital. You need production there. You need somebody who can play. You can't just throw out a traffic cone and, and call it good. But the level that that group that we talked about earlier, the level that they need to hit comes down a lot if Javon Hargrave is as good as he was over the last couple of years in Philly. Yeah. On the Armstead point, he had the knee injury. I think it was in training camp. He only played in nine games. It was the first time he missed games since 2017. So mm-hmm. he went four straight seasons without missing a single game. Um, after starting his career, of course, you know, to the second and third season, he missed a bunch of time. But um, so Armstead turns 30 in November, right? That's not a small thing mm-hmm. given the position he plays in particular. Um, but yeah, like if the, the thing with Armstead and leading the team in sacks, I think if you went back to all of his sacks in 2019, a lot of them were like created by other guys. Right. That's right? what like, I'm saying. Though. Yeah. Like he had so many sacks where it was like quarterback had to step up into mm-hmm. the teeth of the defensive tackles. Right. And Armstead was just the guy who cleaned them up more often than anybody else. Um, so yeah, I think when it comes to his sack numbers, that's a really big part of it during the regular season. I think he's, mm-hmm. he's been really good in the playoffs. Um, yeah, he's, he, he's had, it feels like a sack, at least a sack every game in the playoffs the last three years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's all, I'm, I'm just curious, like the, I, I feel like given sort of the uncertainty with, the new defensive scheme with 
you know, Jimmy Ward not being there, replacing him with Isaiah Oliver, with Tayshawn Gibson continuing to be the starting free safety purportedly. I do think there's more pressure on the 49ers defensive line to be elite if they're going to have a top five defense in the league again. Right. Like, Hmm. because, you know, as like Jimmy Ward was a really important player for them for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like just because of how smart he is, the fact that he never gave up big plays, the fact that he was never really out of position Right. Mm-hmm. Like we can't really say that about Talano Hufanga. As good as he was around the line of scrimmage and some of the splashy plays that he made, he was also out of position a decent amount of times, at least a, mm-hmm. a, a, a substantial enough number of times for a lot of us who watch closely to kind of raise our eyebrows and we're like, wow, this guy's first team all pro. Okay. Um, but again, like with Isaiah Ol- Oliver there now, with a new scheme, with um, just some new faces and a new defensive coordinator pulling the strings. Like, I do think there's more pressure on the 49ers defensive line to be elite this year than, than we've seen in the hmm. last few years, because, and a lot of that, I, I think a lot of that is just continuity, right? Like you, you are throwing a giant wrench in your continuity or your foundation of everything you do when you have a new defensive coordinator. Yeah who's from outside the building, at least when the 49ers transitioned from Robert Sala to D'Amico Ryans, Mm -hmm. that was an internal hire. They promoted Ryans from linebackers coach to DC. Mm -hmm. Wilkes was in Carolina last year. Right. So and has not had a ton of success as defensive coordinator, by the way. Yeah. And he blitzes like he blitzes at a lot higher rate, right? Like in Carolina, Mm -hmm. this is per pro football reference. He blitzed at 20 over 29% of the snaps Niners last year blitz. 22%. 22%. So like a substantial enough number. Um, like can the 49ers generate enough pressure without blitzing, I think is mm-hmm. going to be really important for them, which they've, they've been able to do, but again, they they lost, as you mentioned earlier, some, some of their pass rush production there, particularly on the right. edges. Um, so it's going to be that that's going to be the biggest, the biggest indicator for me is like how, how high the 49ers ceiling is this year is can can the defensive line control the line, line of scrimmage to the point where all those factors behind them, whether it's a new DC, a little bit of uncertainty slash new faces in the secondary, like can the mm-hmm. defensive line be so good to mask all of that? I think yeah. it can, but if it doesn't, then the defense is going to, it's going to have a harder time being a top five unit than the last few years. So I want to talk about that. But first, I want to circle back to your Eric Armstead playoff point. He's played in nine playoff games. He has seven sacks. And he's had a sack in all but uh, three of the playoff games that he's played. So that's that's definitely like double like 13 digit. sack pace. Yeah, yeah. 13, 14 sack pace. Or, yeah. yeah, really good in the playoffs. Just wanted to let you know that your point is validated. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. I do wonder, though, and this is, I guess, kind of a big picture conversation. If their offense is as good as it might, it, it could be. If their offense looks, if, if they just pick up where they left off, let's just go to the world where Brock Purdy is fine and stays healthy and plays like he did last year. And they're scoring 30 points a game. All of a sudden, they don't need their defense to be top five. Now, if their defense is top eight, 10, 
something like that. Like it's that's still plenty. So I don't think it's the end of the world necessarily if they don't get that defensive end spot figured out because of Hargrave and and because of what I think he's going to do for Armstead and, and Bosa. But if their offense does struggle some and they have the quarterback carousel thing again and maybe Brock Purdy regresses a little bit or or whatever it is, now that that could start to become a little bit of a problem where they need to lean on their defense more and they need their defense to give them a couple of short fields or score a touchdown. Is it going to be that air of inevitability where, okay, big spot, the defensive line is going to make a play, whether it's forcing the quarterback to throw it away or get rid of it earlier than he wants, or they're hitting him as he throws, whatever it is, you could rely on the 49ers defensive line to get home and to make something happen. If they don't have that in their back pocket in big spots anymore, and their offense is struggling a little bit, that's where I could see that becoming a really, really significant problem. And the two Super Bowl team, teams last year, Philadelphia was ranked eighth overall defensively, or at least defensive scoring. Mm-hmm. Just po- pure points. I know that's not the best indicator, but the Chiefs were 16th. Right? So, like, when you have Patrick Mahomes, you don't need an elite defense to win a championship. Right. So, but to your Patrick point. Mahomes. Right. Well, to your point, if you, if you score 30... 30 points a game right like you're gonna you're not gonna need to hold your opponent to 16 (laughs) (laughs) right great point so typically typically that means you're gonna win so i have a question for you about turnovers and this sort of ties back to the defensive line because the defensive line tends to generate the most amount of turnovers just by pressures and things like that Niners last year, 30 turnovers, tied for second in the league. 21, when they also went to the NFC Championship. They had 20. 2020, they had 20. In 2019, they had 27, so far closer to that 30 number that they had last year. 2018, this is a laughable number. They had seven turnovers. Right. That was unbelievable. It was a topic every week. I remember, like, it was... It, it's such a like when you're covering the team, it's so hard to come up with new ways to talk about, oh, this team's not not taking the ball whole mm-hmm. way at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a thing. You know, they had turnover meetings, they had drills, they did all that. Anyway. And then in 2017, they had 20 turnovers. Do you think they're hey. going to be closer to 30 or 20 turnovers this week? Probably closer to 20, just because it's hard to have turnovers be a sticky stat. Yeah. Like that's just they're so circumstantial, right? And it could be a, a tipped ball, it could be a ball slipped out of a quarterback's hand, a fumble, a, a weird fumble, and a bounce of the ball that leads to the 49ers recovering it versus the other team recovering. So just the odds, I would say they're closer to 20. Yeah, I think that's right. A funny thing about those seven turnovers in 2018 is they then had seven in the first three games of 2019. Yeah. Just yeah, to kind of remember that. Just to kind of. So 20 last year would have was 20th in the league, or at least Tampa was mm-hmm. Tampa. There were one five. It looks like five teams with 20 takeaways last year. Mm-hmm. Um, And you have Tampa through Arizona, which is like, you know, the you're getting into the, the, last third of the league um mm-hmm. so like that's very middle of the pack 
33. The Cowboys led it, led the league in takeaways last year with 33. Niners and Pats tied for second. Do you know the Pats mm-hmm. took the ball away 30 times last year? I did not. I did not either. Turns out Mac Jones stinks. It's nothing to do with their defense taking the ball away 30 times, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying if they had better quarterback play, then that might have been a more well-known stack because they scored more points in the playoffs. That, that, that's a fair point. Thanks. <laughs> um. So, yeah, like the, the Niners defensive line being good obviously ties or has the potential to tie directly to how many times they take the ball away. And if they're going to yeah. be one of the three or four best teams in takeaways, then obviously that's going to portend to them having one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. Well, it's so many, I, it feels like they had so many takeaways in spots last year where I, I, I mean, this happened against Miami. It happened against Washington. It happened against Tampa Bay where they were, they would get up by two or three scores and now it's the second half and teams are having to drop back every time. And you have this defensive line pinning its ears back if and forcing fumbles and, and interceptions. If they can get in that spot again, where they're playing from out front, I think then, then I think 30 plus turnovers is very much in, in, in play again. Right. But their schedule is pretty tough this year. I think they're going to have a lot of really, really hard games. Against a lot of really good quarterbacks. Like Trevor Lawrence doesn't turn the ball over a ton. Joe Burrow doesn't turn the ball over a ton. And all four of their Those losses. are two quarterbacks there. Sorry. And all, let's see. Kirk one, Cousins. Two. In all five of their losses, they lost a turnover battle last year. Yeah. Yeah, it was the, it was the, the formula for them. Yeah. And I think that's more, to, to me, that's more about the non-giveaways than the takeaways. They're really hard to oh, stop when they don't turn the ball over. For sure. I'm just talking about like turnovers in general, mm-hmm. given that they are so heavily dependent on the defensive line creating pressure that like it's a characteristic of this team. It's a ball control offense, more or less. Like if they're taking the ball away, you have more room, like more margin for error for the offense. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And like, yeah, turnover battle is. Obviously, this, extremely important. This entire conversation comes back to while we talk about the quarterback and the offensive weapons, and that's all really important. I don't know if there's a position group more important to the 49ers this year than their defensive line. That group, yes, if that group is good, it just makes life so much easier on their secondary, on their offense. It's that if if they struggle to figure out the defensive end spot opposite Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead doesn't see a isn't isn't buoyed by Javon Hargrave's arrival or if Hargrave struggles for some reason, it's it's super hard to see to see this team A generating a ton of turnovers, putting their offense in advantageous spots. Like that that's where you could you could see scoring thirty maybe being more of a necessity than it has been in in years past. So I think we should address I agree with everything you said. I think we should address the potential that they could still add guys. Right? Okay. Yeah. Justin Houston is still out there, right? Yep. Hypothetically. 
Um, there's so many, there are so many defensive ends available that fit to me exactly what the 49ers need in that they are not going to cost a ton. Do you have any names? And I do. Okay. I think I I'm, I'm crossing out Yannick Ngakwe. I'm crossing out Jadavian Clowney, but a player like Dwayne Smoot from the Jaguars, who's just been a consistently productive player during his NFL career. A guy like Melvin Ingram, who might be washed, but if you're signing him for $2.5 million and his goal is to rush the passer 15 or 20 times a game, I will take that, especially at the price point you're going to get them at. You mentioned Justin Houston, who's just been a really excellent player for the last four or five years when everybody thought he was done after he left the Chiefs. Why are you crossing out? Why are you, oh, Carlos Dunlap's a good one. Why are you crossing out Clowney and uh, and Ngakwe? Uh, the fact that Ngakwe has been on, what is it, four teams in the last three years? Yeah. I think that's fair. I'm just, I just want you to say super, one. Super productive player. Yeah. But the fact that he's that productive as a pass rusher and is still unsigned at <laughs> whatever he is, 28 years old? That's too many red flags for me, man. <laughs> I'm <fair>. out. <laughs> That's fair. A 20. Let me. I, I didn't. I didn't have his his stats pulled up, but this is going to highlight why I'm crossing off Yannick Ngakwe. Like I said, he is 28 years old. He doesn't even turn 29 until next March. So he's 28 all the way through this season. He has 19 and a half sacks the last two years. He's never had fewer than eight sacks in a season since 2016. And he's been on four teams in the last three years and nobody has signed him. Yeah. That's a problem, Doug. Yeah. So, I, but I think with all the other names you listed, it's an important point that like maybe this time next month we'll get like an Adam Schefter tweet and say like, oh, Niners signed Justin Houston to a one-year $3 million deal with incentives or whatever. Right. And it's not, that. that's not to say that the 49ers are a Justin Houston away from winning the Super Bowl. Right. But when you start talking about question marks and areas of concern, Justin Houston just stabilizes that defensive end group a lot. Where, okay, now if everything goes wrong, you know you have a solid pro that you can put out there and he's going to play and he's going to play well. Yeah. Whereas right now, if everything goes wrong, they're moving Eric Armstead to the edge and crossing their fingers. Sure. And I they they don't want to do that. So there's there's a bunch of veteran names that fit that. Where again, ideal role for them at this point in their careers is probably rushing the passer twenty times a game, fifteen times a game, and you can get a player for super cheap this time of year who can who can do that effectively. So it wouldn't shock me if the Niners wind up with one of those guys. So another point I wanted to make too, and I brought I I asked you this question when we did the offensive line preview. What about the trade deadline? Say Washington mm. stinks. Did they, they didn't pay Chase Young, right? No. He's on his fifth year option. Start playing that out. No, I'm sorry. He didn't they did not pick up his fifth year option. So he's going into year four yes. without an extension. Correct. And say he's Washington a free agent after this year. Say Washington stinks. Okay. Would you would you send them a couple draft picks for Chase Young for Doug- a rental? I might send them a couple draft picks for Chase Young right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
But here's here's uh, yes, yes, I would to answer your question. Yeah. And we talked about this a while back. It doesn't it doesn't look like the that Washington's eager to trade him. Like they want to see what he looks like in camp. Sure, but they might he stink. Looked, yeah, no doubt. And and come trade deadline time, they're going, you know, sub five hundred, not going to make the playoffs. Get a sixth round pick for Chase Young or a fifth round pick for Chase Young. I would I I think I would probably do that depending on again depending on how he looks. If they stink and Chase Young stinks, then that might might change my answer. But that maybe a guy like Daniil Hunter, although he might get moved before the year. Yeah. But if he winds up playing and and he's available at the deadline, I would give up like a second round pick for Daniel Hunter. He's that good. But again, you might have to pay him, and I don't know if the Niners are going to want to do that. And there's some financial stuff. But if if you can get him for for half a year, and you can get him for a second or third round pick, that's a that could be a significant swing for them that that dramatically improves their Super Bowl odds. Like Justin Houston, for example isn't moving the needle a ton from a Super Bowl standpoint, Daniil Hunter would make them like the favorite in the NFC. What about Zadarius Smith? Didn't he just sign a big contract? Did he? Did Maybe they sign I'm, him? Maybe I'm misremembering. I just Googled but... uh, possible defensive ends that could be available at the deadline and something came up. I don't know what... I should have looked at the date before asking you. Oh, no. He just got traded to the Browns. Ah. That's right. That's why he was among the players listed to uh, to get traded. Yeah, I remember that now. But he plays for the Browns. But that could be used as an example of like a type of trade the 49ers could make mm-hmm. from now to the deadline. So I do like that's a that's a type of position. Like when they make trades during the season, they're like, we're gonna get an impact guy at like a key yeah. spot. Yeah. So if they're like if they're having to win shootouts and the de- the defensive line isn't getting as much pressure as they need and Drake mm-hmm. Jackson isn't improving and Cleveland Farrell's not showing he's more than mm-hmm. what he's been with the Raiders, I would almost expect the Niners to go get a pass rusher in, in, in a trade. I think we'll learn a lot about how the 49ers feel about their defensive ends based on whether and who they sign in free agency. Whether they add a free agent and, and who it is. Yeah. And it might be that might be something too where they're like, let's see how the first couple of weeks of camp goes. Let's mm-hmm. see what, how everything looks. And if like we feel like we got to make an addition, then that might be the time you get like the Justin yeah. Houston tweet. Yeah. Or thread. Or thread. <laughs> nice, dude. You just <laughs> rocking on threads right now? I haven't threaded in a minute. Um, but no, I mean, I, I'm enjoying it. And the algorithm's some... all screwed up and it doesn't make any sense. And I see a bunch of stuff from people I don't care at all about. Right. Um, but I think it once once they keep adding features and get the algorithm right, um, I think it's ultimately gonna end up replacing Twitter. We'll see. It's still early, but it's very early. I have a friend who is boycotting Twitter by not tweeting. Mm. And <laughs> but still checking it. Yeah. And I tweeted something related to the Sacramento Kings the other day. And he hits me up and he goes, Hey, can you post this on threads? <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> I got you. There you go. So I did. And then he replied to it and nice, retweeted dude. it or whatever. Yeah, man. Love that. 
We should call threads on threads needles. Did you read my needle? Oh, never mind. I don't love that. I don't love that. (laughs) I need to go talking around, walk around talking about like, dude, you should see the needle I did on the internet. (laughs) I just put a needle on the internet. I mean, we're probably having the same conversations around tweets like a decade ago or like a decade and a half ago. Remember the joke? Oh, if you're on Twitter, does that make you a twit? (laughs) I remember that. I think that that stands up though. Over time, it does. If we look, time is a flat circle. A lot of twits out there. A lot of twits on Twitter. Taking Twitter off my phone has been a a life changer for me. Shouts to you. That's a great decision. Yeah, man, it's big time. I read so much New York Times now. Great joke. I don't do that. I don't know why I said that. I don't do that. (laughs) Okay. I'm just on it. You know what? Honestly, I'm just on Instagram more. (laughs) Sure. That's what's happened. Yeah, okay. threads is kind of like an extension of Instagram. You can tell it's a lot of you see yeah. some threads. You're like, I don't follow this person. Oh, I do on Instagram. That's right. Yep. Right. Anyways, Anything I did else? not do the follow everybody on threads that you follow on Instagram. I didn't do that. I did it and then went back through and unfollowed a lot of people. Yeah, I did it reverse. Yeah. I went through and followed the people I want to follow. But anyways, any other defensive, say- any other defensive nothing. line takes? I got nothing. Not until they put the pads on. And I got to see what their pressure packages look like. It's my new football guy term. Pressure packages. Got to see let's what Steve caveat, Let's out. just caveat every conversation with. Gotta, just got to wait till the pads come on. <laughs> wait till the pads come on and wait till they get the sand out of their asses. <laughs> it still kills me. I like think about that every once in a while. And- I know you do, man. <laughs> You you hit it in the text thread <laughs> once a day. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, it's some we, sand in my ass on the golf course this morning. It wasn't great. <laughs> we have linebackers coming later this week. Our linebacker preview. Uh, we will wrap these previews up with defensive backs at the start of next week, and then by the end of next week, we'll have training camp. We'll have actual camp to talk about and things going on. So that'll be super fun. Cannot wait. Subscribe, rate, review if you have not done so yet. We will be giving you content all the way through camp, all the way through the preseason. We'll start ramping it up to three pods a week here pretty soon. Keeping you updated on all the latest uh, with with what's going on in 49 Ireland. So Chris, thank you. Thank you everybody for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.